you have on? <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Bo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the athletic uh, network of podcasts. It's also a Brody and the Beard podcast. Uh, Ollie? Hi, guys. This is Ollie Bijani. I'm filling in for Big Mo and Kelly today on our podcast. Uh, so let's get started. Yeah, this is going to be a dual pod covering the Mavericks Rockets game that just finished. The Rockets won 128 to 121. Looked like it was going to be a blowout there for a second, but. Uh, you know, uh, Dallas made it tight there there for a minute. Um, but I, I don't want to worry about that just yet. Uh, I want to go back to the opening minute uh, to these two starting lineups, which I swear have to be the two funkiest lineups we've seen in the NBA this season. Um, explain explain Houston's to us first. I didn't know this until post game, but it's the smallest lineup since 1963 or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Now, I will say Coach D'Antoni loves small ball, and he talked about it post game why he likes to go to it. In all honesty, it's because Russell Westbrook can get to the rim uh, much easier when there's, it's a smaller lineup versus when Clint is in there. That being said, he can get to the rim anytime he wants to if he really wants to. Um, but this lineup is all about getting Russell Westbrook comfortable in the offense because we know what James Harden can do. And I'm pretty surprised that Daniel House and uh, Eric Gordon were starting together again to today's game. Um, they they want to keep Eric in the starting lineup after he scored 50 against Utah a couple games ago. Um, but Daniel House... Doing what he did tonight, um, you know, getting coming up with rebounds and being able to box out and help James get rebounds. I mean, that's what the Rockets want to see from him. So it was a good game for him tonight. I mean, there's there's small ball and then there's what like ant ball or or something like like again, this is the smallest NBA lineup in in history. You know, just about like you know, tallest is is House at six six. That's that's so small. If that's if and you can see the jump ball. Just so you know what, like you set your defense because you know you're going to lose a jump ball anyway. So might as well just get you guys in defensive position. Right. It's just it's just it's it's it was such a funny stark contrast for for seven three Porzingis to be jumping on one side, you know, and on one side on the Dallas side of the court, and for James Harden to be jumping <laughs> on the other. And I'm just like uh, there's there's what uh, quick math uh, eight inches, eight inches. Uh, nine inches, nine inches, yeah, nine 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 inches of separations between those two, and uh, no ten. Seven three three, three. three and then six nine. We're the six, six, six and seven three. That's nine, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure that's nine inches. I, I don't six uh, to twelve. Seven right? and three, so ten. Yeah. This this is not going to turn into a, a quick maths version of uh of uh, of the athletic podcast. We we can move on from that. Uh, so so Dallas started um, Ryan Brokoff and JJ Barea to you know basically the tenth and eleventh men on this team. Uh, Maybe honestly, the the eleventh and the tenth and uh, maybe the eleventh and twelfth men on this team, just about. Uh, you know, they they did that to keep the uh, the lineups stable. You know, the rotation stable off off the bench, um, and the starting unit did okay. You know, I guess uh, their their plus minuses are all negative. So you know, eventually, I, I think they did get worn out. Uh, you know, a little bit in the you know when they tried to close the second quarter. Maybe uh, they're actually okay in the second quarter. I think the third quarter is where, where you really saw it. Um, and, and it was just, it was a small thing. Uh, Chris Esprzingis played really well. Now, he's never going to play a lineup this small again, you know, as, 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 we, as we covered. But, you know, I thought he used the post up really judiciously. 
you know, he is, uh, you know, like, so you remember that, that last post up he had on, uh, Westbrook mm -hmm. where he just, he, he kind of bodied over him, yes. you know, on one side, on one hand, you know, that is what a seven, you think a seven, three player would do, but he wasn't really doing that earlier. And, and you know, when this, he was much more passive, I think early on, he was, um, he was, and, and the Rockets want that to happen because if you're going to switch like the Rockets do, they're hoping if you go in the post that you are passive because they will just draw the double team towards you. But if you are Przingis, you have to be aggressive, which I think he sp was, especially in the second half. He wasn't hesitating. He was getting to the shot he wanted to, and he's supposed to. He was he was supposed to be the best player on the floor for the Mavericks tonight. And in the second half, I think he played really well, especially the way he got to his spot on the floor. Because the Rockets were so small. Besides P.G. Tucker, there's really nobody else there who can body him up defensively too much. You have small guys to who the Rockets coaches trust in Eric Gordon and James Harden to be able to kind of defend in the post against big guys like that. But Chris Stapps is so good, you want to see him get to his spots, which I think he did in the second half. What do you what do you think of the way he played defensively? Uh, he had a one big block. Uh, you know, I thought he was around the rim a little bit. Um, obviously, the, the, the downside of playing a 7-3 guy against a tiny small ball is that you're going to pull him away from the rim. But I didn't really see you know, purposeful Harden switches onto him. It seems like Harden was was a lot of times attacking other players. And we can get into the double teams uh, as well. But He was you know. attacking Tim Hardaway Jr. more than he attacked Porzingis, which I thought was very curious on his part. I know, I guess, why, because he wanted a smaller defender on him. But even then, James loves to have bigs on him as well. And I think that may have something to do with maybe with his thigh injury, what's going on with that. Is he able to kind of go against guys, body guys up? But it's just very interesting to see the, the difference between him versus a small versus a big in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think that by any means KP hurt them defensively in, in, a, in a situation in a small ball lineup that a lot of times it could. And I don't think that was the case this game. Uh, I do want to ask, so the, the Mavericks, as a lot of teams have been doing, did this hard double at half court against Harden. And it was all right. It worked all right. I thought by the second half, it was a little too easy to break, especially when Westbrook was on the court, because what the Mavericks would do is they would put two players right at half court, obviously, to force the ball out of his hands. Uh, Harden, you know, smart. He's going to give it up every time because you can try to split a double here and there. And, you know, more times than not, that's not going to work out in your favor. Uh, you know, because if, if you do turn it over in that situation, it's catastrophic. It's just two points the other end. Uh, so, so the hard double, hard, uh, you know, hard double of Harden, and he would give it up every time. But if he gave it to Westbrook, all Westbrook had to do was take two hard dribbles towards the rim and there was an open shooter. Because, you know, even if, if, you, even if you were guarding him, you had to collapse down on him because it's, it's Russell Westbrook. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think that's a big reason why Houston was able to hit 21 threes. You know, a really good percentage on, on a high number of threes. What did you make of the defense and, and just the way that Houston has evolved to combat this, this you know, very high, very aggressive double of Harden? Harden and the Rockets are very hit or miss when that double team does come. And I think the Mavs made two mistakes tonight um, defensively. The first thing is whenever you're going to trap James, especially at the towards half court, it's easy, easier said than done. But you can give him an angle to a dribble around you. I think tonight, especially when he and Russell Westbrook ran those pick and rolls late in the game, it was really easy for James to kind of just go around the double team and find the flasher towards the middle, either Russ or whoever it was. I think if you are going to double James, I think defenses have slowly started to figure this out. You need to double James Harden when he is not on the floor with Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon. The Rockets will want to always pair Russ with Eric off the bench, and there's always going to be about three to four minute spurts in the second and third quarters where James is playing by himself without Eric, without Russ. And that's when if you are an opposing defense, 
that is what, out of every time you would do it, that is when you want to trap James. Because then you would have to have Austin Rivers, Ben McLemore, Daniel House, and whoever the big is in that lineup have to be able to create and find and be a playmaker or score at the rim. And I think the defenses will take that. In in that sort of lineup, you would take James Harden to not be part of the play and let somebody else create for you. But when you have Russell Westbrook and you have Eric Gordon in the lineup, it makes it much tougher. And that's a big reason why. And the Rockets made their shots, but a big reason why they hit and they were able to get so many open looks. Do you think it was the right strategy for Dallas when you consider the fact that, you know, you can't account for how many threes the the opponents are going to hit, but Rick Carlisle said post-game, he talked about how well the role players are shooting. As as he said, the guys you want to shoot, all of their shooting is trending upwards. I think you saw that in in Austin Rivers going three of four, Ben McLemore going three of six, Eric Gordon, of course, you know, that's that's not a guy you try to make sure, but Daniel House going four of six, uh, 21 of 45 on the night, so uh, on on threes, which is a very, very good percentage. And then you you factor in the, the good shooting from the role players, and you pair that with with you know the struggles that James Harden has been having with his with his thigh injury and whatever else is going on. Do you think Dallas would have been better off, especially you know given hindsight, you know, and how many threes were hit, if they had just put Dorian Finney-Smith on, you know, and you know tried tried to keep their best as good of a defender on Harden as they could, and say do your worst to us? I, I think I think the strategy is sound. I think with the way that Carlisle wanted to employ it was smart. That being said, non-James Harden Rockets will not go 15 of 30 from three every single game. There's going to be games like there have been many times this season when teams do trap. It's going to happen. So they're going to see a lot more in the playoffs. I think if the Rockets start seeing that, you're immediately going to see a flasher in the middle and two corner shooters. That's their strategy. That's their counter to it. Um, but that being said, if James is not healthy and he's not able to kind of get around his his defensive the, the, his defender then it becomes much easier for you to trap. But I think James, honestly, tonight, out of in the past two weeks, you know, tonight was his first time leading the Rockets in scoring since the Memphis game on January 14th. Now, I know that's only two weeks in time, but, Tim, you know, James Harden rarely does not, um, you know, finish above 30 points or lead the Rockets in scoring. And he, he, he looked like he was back to his normal ways tonight, which is a very good sign for this Rockets team that's been playing 500 basketballs of late. I mean, Harding can go two weeks, and every time he plays, he's leading the NBA in scoring for that night, yeah. you know. So, you know, when you're the NBA's leading scorer by, like, eight points per game, like, that's that's just how it works sometimes, uh, you know, even though his numbers have fallen a little bit during during this slump. Um, here's here's another, another one for you, a, a kind of a, you know, should Dallas have done something differently? Is there a different way they could have played? Um, do you think they should have gone bigger a little bit more often? Uh, and, and basically, so this is this is more of a a thought exercise of when a when a team is playing as small as they are against you, um, what is the, the the upside versus the downside of going small? And well, I'll I'll add a little bit onto this, but I want to I want to hear your thoughts here first. You know, I, I like to watch the Mavs, and what I what I'll say is from when I watch the Mavs, I I really like Maxi. I think Maxi can play really well. That's, this is this is where I was exactly where I was going to go with this. Yes. So so keep going, but but just you've read my mind. Um, what, what, and, and if you are playing a smaller team, I think with Chris Stapps, I understand. But if you are in a look, this is what this is what opposing teams have to understand. The Rockets now and in the playoffs are going to play small ball lineup with Russell Westbrook off the bench. That's just going to happen. And if you are an opposing team. I think if you have a guy like Maxi who can clearly switch and hold his own against offensive players, 
you want to have your biggest lineup out there that can possibly switch and do those damage. I think Mac, I line up with Maxi, Justin Jackson, um, Finney Smith off the bench, those three guys, and then whoever two you want to toss out there, Brunson, who I think is terrific. You have that lineup out there versus a Russell Westbrook kind of thing, and you switch everything. You're not going to be able to score because the Rockets are hoping you're not going to switch against a small violent lineup. And if you do switch, Russell Westbrook can get to the rim. But you have, if you have a guy like Maxi, who I know is very disciplined and can stay in front, it's a matchup that the, I think the Mavericks should take should have taken advantage of tonight. Yeah, um, Brunson's been having a bad season, but but you know he I thought he was okay tonight. Um, some weird subs, but but that's inevitable in inevitability when when you're down a guard, down the star guard who who plays you know 35, and, and that's obviously Luca. Um, I agree with you, Maxi. I'm surprised he only ended up with 13 minutes. You know, so you know that that whole Twitter thing where. Uh, it's like, what's the saddest story you can write in six words? Yes. Uh, here, let me let me see if I can do it right. But it's guard thinks they have mismatch Maxi. There should be another preposition in there, but I had to make it six. <laughs> but there was at least four times tonight where there was a guard driving and Maxi was the only one between them and the rim. And he just stuffed him. It's just like, you know, he didn't get a block every time. He only ended up with... Uh, Oh, just kidding. He had four block shots in 13 minutes. He, this is not rare. He does this a lot he against does. the Rockets. He's, Especially because, I mean, I, yeah. I watch him against different teams, but I know for the Rockets fans listening and the Mavericks fans listening, when these two teams go at it, Maxi is always terrific. I remember last season when these two teams played, Chris Paul tried to take advantage of one-on-one. He blocked a couple times too. So Maxi's a very good player. I think, I think if these teams down the line, I know we're talking about tonight's game, but down the line, they ever met in the playoff series and they had more time for adjustments Definitely want Maxi out there with the second unit. Switch everything up. Ha- make Russ beat you one on one. I think if you have, if you make Russ beat you one on one against lengthy guards, it's going to make it much more difficult for him. Yeah, he's a he's a funky player because I think his best shot play. He's like a he's a shot blocker, but he's a shot blocker in that he can block his man defender mm-hmm. and that's not something you see a lot you when we think shot blocker we think rudy gobert oh, from the who, weak side or exactly those, yeah. yeah or somebody who's just like standing directly at the rim and you know he's like bring on all challengers but maxi is someone who's, who's gonna shift you know with you stride by stride until you get you know eight eight seven eight feet from the rim and then you realize oh i can't get any closer so i'm gonna throw up a you know a funky layup or a floater and then maxi just blocks it out of your hand you know, like literally just his second jump is so quick. You know, he's a, he's a really, really fun to watch defensive player because I, I just I haven't seen a lot of players like him. Um, so I, I think I think you're you know, you're touching on what if the Mavs and the Rockets were playing to, to play in the playoffs. I think it's possible. You know, obviously they're you know, they could be they could end up being a first round matchup. Yeah, they really could. Um, I think Maxi, you know, I, I think one of the reasons he only played 14 minutes was that. They did. They did challenge him to drive and make plays off the dribble a couple times, and I think he got fouled once. But but a couple other times he was. And, and the Rockets do that. The Rockets exactly. always on the like. Think about it like it's a Bill Belichick kind of thing. The Rockets will take away the number one thing you like and force the the most uncomfortable thing you like to like make it happen. So the Rockets will always take away your initial drive and they'll leave off a of one shooter. And it's always going to be up to that one shooter to make a smart play. You don't have to shoot the ball. They know that, and they're hoping you shoot the ball, but you don't have to. If you don't shoot it, if you make the right play, you'll beat the Rockets. They're so small off the second unit. And yeah, so that's I mean, the they play. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's they play the same way on offensive defense. It's, it's making you do something uncomfortable. James Harden wants your center doing something uncomfortable, guarding <laughs> guarding him thirty feet from the rim, and and you know it's the same thing defensively. It's what you know it's absolutely what smart defensive teams do, and I think the Rockets are you know they're. 
they're as proactive and as you know purposeful about the way that they make you uncomfortable and try to make you play uncomfortable i do have one question for you about chris Stapps. And, and this is more so of a matchup situation when the rockets went small today they want to run down the court you have daniel house who's very good at kind of getting to the corners and driving inside in the middle how do you think chris Stapps fared defensively getting back in transition Hmm. I thought I thought uh, the Rockets did have 18 fast break points tonight, which is honestly a lot for them, even though they pushed the pace a lot more than last season. Getting 18 is a very good number for them, especially because they went small. Um, and the reason there's also a caveat for future games. I asked this because Clint get averaged about four fast break buckets or buckets in the first eight or 10 seconds of the shot clock per game, which leads the league among centers. So he's such a he's a guy who. Off of a miss, he's beating the opposing center down the court, and it tires the opposing center out. Do you think that Porzingis showed tonight that he can stay with that and be able to kind of defend in transition? I didn't notice him being poor in that area in this game specifically. I, I want to say that about half those fast break points were uh, like breakaway dunks. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, sounds you know, about right. <laughs> there, there was there were several high trap turnovers. And another one that, you know, maybe a couple more that were just sloppy passes. So so to some extent, you know, I, I think the fast break numbers are a little misleading that they weren't traditional fast breaks. Mm -hmm. I do think that in a playoff series, Clint Capella beating Chris Tapps down the floor is a massive concern. And I do think that in a situation like that, you might see Maxi playing next to Porzingis as, as a starter. Uh, it, it's very possible. It's, it's a starting lineup. You know, it, it, obviously Dwight Powell's out for the season. They started Powell next to KP, you know, just about this in, you know, the entire year when both players were healthy. That was their preferred starting lineup. And it was their preferred starting lineup because, you know, they, they felt comfortable with Powell guarding a four and, and you know, putting Porzingis at the five, but also giving him some bigger help and, you know, maybe someone who can sprint back and switch and you're not going to, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so, you know, there are, there are reasons why they like having another big man next to, next to KP. You know, um, and and Powell was was the perfect guy to do that. Kleba, you know, and I think in a lot of ways is can do that. You know, maybe that is something they try out. You know, I th you know I, th I think every playoff series. Uh, you know, I think the more the longer I've been around this league and, and watching NBA basketball, the more I realize like how much a playoff series is a chess match. The chess, mm -hmm. how much the playoff series is a chess match that. You know, both coaches are just going back and forth and it's small and it's subtle and it's, you know, maybe we try starting this guy. Maybe we start try running this lineup. But you can, you know, by game three or four, you start having some data on how these four games has, have gone. Yes. And you can you can start adjusting based off the data on those first first few games very famously uh, in the 2011 finals. Uh, that, that's how J.J. Barea ended up starting in game three of the finals. And even though the Mavericks lost that game. You know, they, they went on to win the series. They won the next three and they won the series. And, and you know, the, the one championship, the iconic championship that Dallas has had, you know, so that 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 was an analytics driven decision. It was it was all about the plus minus that Berea had on the floor and, you know, specifically had on the floor, I believe, with the starting unit that, that they were subbing okay. him in initially. In and, and, you know, he was he was having good runs with them. So, you know, that's how that came about, you know, just based off two games. So, you know, I, I, I think this would be a really fun uh, this would be a really fun first round matchup. Uh, you know, it'd be, a lot of offense. If you like offense, I mean, you have the, the on pace to be the most historic offense in the league, Dallas Mavericks. And then you have the Rockets team who will want to beat you by scoring more points than you. So this, that would be a hell of a series.
Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I, I obviously I proposed, you know, the idea of Maxi and KB together, but inevitably all playoff series in the in recent years go small, and they go small, and they go small, and they go even smaller, and that's a situation where you know it might just be. Porzing is playing 36 minutes and other big men getting in where they can, you know, to spell him. But, you know, I, I think that if, if it went to a playoff series, you would need Porzing is playing like this. And he hasn't always played like this. He, he, he looks less like the player he was tonight when Luca's on the floor. And I don't know exactly why that is. I do think some of it had to do with the matchup of Houston and just how small they were and that, that he was able to get very, very deep post positioning. But they would need Porzingis to play like this. And I think if he played like this against Houston, plus Luka, um, and, and plus, you know, the rest of those Mavericks, you know, this, this feisty Mavericks lineup, I, I do think that, you know, Dallas would definitely have a fighting chance. So, but it, it also, you know, Houston would be the favorite. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. They, they're, you know, on pace to finish with the higher seed. Uh, I'd love to see it. The rematch of 2016. Oh, man, the Dwight Howard-Josh Smith year. Oh, wait, no, that was 2015. Was that 2015? The Dwight, I want to say Dwight. Was Dwight not involved? No, did you know Did you know Josh Smith and Dwight Howard played AAU together? Did you know this? I think I've heard this. <laughs> the Rockets fans listening will be sick and tired of me saying that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, what, what I remember, it wasn't 2015. It was 2016, right? Or am I, am I mixing up? I, you know, 2016 was the Thunder, so it was 2015. No, You're right. 2014, 2015, 2014, 2015 season. Yes. 2015, yeah, yes. the 14-15 season. Chandler Parsons got hurt in game one. Yes. Got booed. Got booed off the court when he was walking off with an injury. Um, isn't isn't the, the the series where Rajon Rondo got into a little bit of a? It, it was it was the Raj, Rajon Rondo. Um, okay. I would I would pray that if Dallas and in uh, in Houston meet in the first round this year, there's no Rajon Rondo or Chandler Parsons involved whatsoever. We don't need that. No, 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 no. They can stay, they can stay the hell away 20, from Texas. 2020 is already a chaotic enough year. We don't need this again. Yes, 100%. <laughs> All right. You got any other, any final observations from this game? Any Anything else you want to get off your chest about the Houston Rockets, who are now uh, 30 and 18? Actually, just a game up. So this was this was a big game in terms of, of conference. The series is now tied one one they play each other two more times i guess in march i believe or march and april yeah both in both in dallas they've you know both times they've played here so um i I think the biggest takeaway really quickly for me is a small ball lineup and coach d'antoni saying that you know there are some things they can improve upon it but the way it sounded like is this is a lineup that they want to be successful because they want to go to this lineup a lot more and and i don't be surprised if the moves they make in the coming the next week and the coming weeks after that in the buyout market are tailored specifically towards this type of lineup. For for the Dallas perspective, I would just say that I thought it was a really solid performance missing Luca, all things considered. You'd like to see, you know, a, a slightly better start and, and the the third quarter was was up and down. You know, definitely could have been better, but I was I was overall impressed. It felt like they were playing well, and I think that's maybe the biggest thing is that, you know, you look on the court and they're generating good offense and they're not giving up too many easy dunks. There's a few few too many turnovers, few more, few too many breakaways, but you know I thought they bothered them. And on a night where the role players don't shoot 15 to 30, you know I think they have a they, they quite possibly win this game I mean, without Luca. James, if James Harden hit, didn't hit those two threes late in the game, this would have been a one possession game down to the wire. So I, I think you're right when you say they played well today. I think the Mavericks definitely had a chance when they, when, especially when they came back. If James is still in that slump and he didn't, he didn't hit those threes, I mean this we could be talking about a different score right now. So. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a. Uh, 
probably a little bit tighter than than it seemed, you know, especially with, you know, the Houston re- lead blossoming to 18 points at one point, but you know, I thought I thought Dallas acquitted themselves fine to, you know, to 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 lose by 7 points on the road missing your best player. That's fine. You 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 can do that against a, you know, a a better slightly better playoff team that that Houston has been, you know, they're they're a game up now and, you know, it's a tough one to stomach just because it's a division rival, but all things considered, you know, as as long as this team can, you know, maintain this form against worse teams, they they're, they're going to win and they're going to they're going to hold water and tread water until Luka gets back and they'll be fine all things considered. So, you know, no 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 reason to to, to hang hang your head at all if you're if you're a mass fan i'd say so uh this is this has been an episode of 77 minutes in heaven and brody and the beard it's a funky one. Oh man i think this, this is the first one hopefully we can do it again in march i guess that should be fun uh april April. Late April. Late April. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm projecting now. We've talked about it enough. We have willed this series into existence. So, <laughs> first round series, you heard it here first. Uh, we'll see you guys then, but also hopefully plenty of times in na- between now and then. Uh, so, we'll have plenty of pods uh, coming up next next week. Thanks for listening.